You're listening to the Autos Podcast, where we explore the nature of stories in the pursuit of being in truth. I'm Mac. And I'm Vaughn. And our sentience depends on you. Now cue the intro music. The first contract, off-spoken often spoken of by the Chondro, was originally just a series of promises made by the first generation to the Lord Ruler. They wrote these promises down and in do so codified the first Condor laws. They were worried about governing themselves independently of the Lord Ruler and his empire. So they took what they had written to him, asked for his approval, he commanded it, it cast into steel, they then personally scratched a signature into the bottom. The code was the first thing that the Condor learned upon awakening from his or her life as a mystery. It contained commands to reverse earlier generations, or to revere earlier generations. Simple legal rights granted to each Condra, provisions for creating new Condra, and a demand for the ultimate dedication to the Lord Ruler. Most disturbingly, the first contract contained a provision which, if invoked, would require the mass suicide of the entire Condra people. Rashik moved the Well of Ascension, obviously. It was very clever of him, perhaps the cleverest thing he did. He knew that the power would one day return to the Well, for power such as this, the fundamental power by which the world itself was formed, did not simply run out. It can be used and therefore diffused, but it will always be renewed. So knowing the rumors, knowing that the rumors and tales would persist, Rashik changed the very landscape of the world. He put the mountains in what became the north and named the location Terrace. Then he flattened his true homeland and built his capital there. He constructed the palace around the room at its heart, the room where he would meditate. The room that was a replica of his old hovel and Terrace, a refuge created during the last moments before his power ran out. So not, so he, he didn't move the Well of Ascension. He just <laughs> reformed the world. He, he moved the world around the well. Yeah, so the well, the well, so... The central Donis, Luthadel, is Terrace. You know, it's funny because I always thought that... I thought he moved Terrace. Right. I thought he, I thought moved, he, I thought he, moved, I thought the he well. moved the well, yeah. right? I thought like he made the, like Terrace like, more mountainy, but I guess where where the current uh, Well of Ascension is is where Terrace used to be. Okay. All right. We'll talk more about the epigraphs, though, in a second because I have something. I have some things to talk about. So we get Tinsun's point of view in Chapter 11. So Kampal challenges Tinsun on why he killed one of his own, and you know Tinsun points out it's not against the law, not against the laws of the Chandra. But Kampal says the Chandra are of preservation, while the humans are of ruin. It's not acceptable for the Chandra to kill each other, and this is when all the the points click together for Tinsun here. He goes, "Well, I see what they're doing. They're trying to completely avoid." The fact that I release the Condra secret into the into the world, and they're trying to basically strip him of his credibility to stop him from being able to say that. So Tensoon goes, "I got this. It's my plan," and he starts firing back at them and saying, "Like y'all are the ones who gave a contract to Kelsier, the one who was meant to kill the father. Why would you do that?" And he goes, "I did not break my contracts, and this is the loophole Tensoon was going for." He says. Vin is now our mother. Vin, having killed the father, has now inherited all of his rights, has inherited the first contract. She is the mother. She deserved to know how to control us because it is her right now. And uh, that doesn't go over very well. <laughs> um, 
But Tensoon basically yells out and goes like, they need to trust her. They need to know everything without her. So one thing that he put out, which kind of caught my caught my attention, that he said, without her, they cannot make new Chandra or form any new blessings. Whatever the heck that means. Um, but yeah, they were waiting for the first generation to talk. There was no sound. The first generation said nothing. And so the seconds went, well, we'll pass judgment in a month. And uh, that is the end of 11. Chapter 12, we have we have Ellen's point of view. And Vin points out that she's super worried because Sazed's lost his faith. Um, Breeze is trying way too hard to keep people happy, which basically to Vin means everyone is giving up and Ellen needs to fix it. And Ellen's like, well, you know, I am the king or I'm the emperor. It is my duty to get them all together and make sure that's the case. But uh, we learned that there are portions of the Empire where the mist stays at all times during the day. It never goes away. And Ellen's scribes have been keeping track of it. And we know that by next winter, um, there's only a small section of this central dominance that will remain mist-free. And it definitely won't be enough to feed the population. We go back to Vin's point of view. And Rain's voice is still in her head, messing with her. It's still plaguing her. It's back. It's. She's like, man, I'm trying to get rid of it. And she's going through this moment where she goes, if I can push that voice back, which I've been doing all this time, if I can stop it, then then we need to find a way to, to stop these voices in other people's heads, to get Sazita's faith back, to get Breeze to come back uh, and, and believe that they can actually win. And uh, Ellen does just that. I think he does it in such a fantastic way. He he pulls a Kelsier, where he brings everyone in, and his way of pulling a Kelsier is to get people to talk about Kelsier. So they are talking about the food storages and how they're not going to last, and they're trying to brainstorm ways to to feed everyone with the mist coming in. And and Ellen's like, "Listen, this is what needs to happen, okay?" So Sazed and Breeze need to go to Orto. And break that diplomatically, right? Conquer it diplomatically. We learn that Spook is there currently spying, and he sent back metal-inscribed messages saying what's going on. That's good. We can't trust anything not placed in metal, as we learned, uh, as we have learned at the end of Well of Ascension. Um, but yeah, so this is the new prong of attack. Elend is going to march and siege down Fadric City. Sazed and Breeze are going to go try to conquer Orto diplomatically, and. We need to just pull everything in. And so Ellen's like, tell me about Kelsier. Tell me about the survivor. I want to know what he was like, you know, before all this, all these stories took over, before he became bigger than just the man himself. And they all say a piece about him. And the big one that I think points out is Sazed says he'd want us to smile. And Ellen grabs onto that and says, you're right. We need to smile. We need to show the people that we're in control. Even if we think we're going to die tomorrow, we need to face that death smiling. And that's the end of chapter 12. So another kind of a buildup here. I think the the bit we learn here is that Tensoon is making a, making a play, you know, making, trying to push something forward to get the Chandra to move, to trust Vin. And whether he's doing it to save his own skin or to to purpose some other big thing is still kind of coming together. Well, so, you know, um, Tensoon takes a little bit of uh, Aslan, the Aslan meme, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, don't quote the deep magic to me, which I was there when it was written. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he um he pulls that card, and he also there's a point where he says, you know, um he is of the third generation. It's time he started acting like it. Um, I think it's a little bit. It's a few different things. Um, when we get his point of view, we don't get this idea that he's you know trying to save his skin or trying to get out of anything. Um, I think he has like some changed feelings, you know, as far as the way the world works. And again, he's been sitting for a year in the cell, uh, which I forgot. I didn't realize he would been in there for like that long, but it has been that long. And that's why, why, you know, why, how long he's been able to sit and stew on this stuff. Um, the thing that he is, you know, at least pretty crafty with is he realizes they're trying to manipulate the narrative, you know, to be able to suit certain things. And, he makes an interesting point. We learn about the first contract and the epigraphs. Um, you know, this idea that essentially the conjurer got together with the Lord ruler and said, here's how we're going to do things. And it has grown, you know, um, to be, you know, there are, I guess, other contracts or whatever, but this is the thing we keep hearing about, you know, in well of, or, um, well of Ascension. Yes. Uh, he had talked about, I have to follow the contract. I have to follow the contract. Um, just like our viewers need to give us a good rating and be able to let people know that we exist. We're a small project and we hope to be less small small in the future. We appreciate everyone who's been following us. Yes, thank you so much. Um, and the um, thing is, is that this is something that is considered like foundational. This is like the Constitution or whatever. Like this is supposed to be unbreakable. But Tensoon kind of turns that on its head by saying like, look, I was following the first contract, the original contract, and that's set with Vin. And he actually makes a really interesting play here, which is essentially, you guys are the ones that betrayed us by literally getting the father killed. You're mm-hmm. the one that supported Kelsier. Um, and there was this, like, you know, I suppose like cowardly, you know, guy in the, from the second generation that was like, well, well, we didn't know that he was going to be successful. I mean, he paid so well, you know? And, you know, Kampar was like... um, Shut up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole thing is that they were. It, it was uh, kind of like in the Dark Knight Rises. He's like, "You are already guilty. We're here for sentencing." Yeah. Um, and so uh, Tensoon realizes like he's not there to defend himself. He's there to kind of, like he said, they said, get judgment. And he gets hung out to dry because the first generation, um, I guess, are the does, does nothing. Yeah, they do nothing. You know, they're like I guess like the original Chandra, the OG Chandras. Um, as you know, each generation comes by, and they're supposed to revere their previous generations. Mm-hmm. So the second generation are supposed to be like the next level of power. Like you know, ten students are the third generation. Um, the thing that I thought was really interesting is. Tensoon said that Orsur was his brother and was from his generation. He had known him for over 700 years and he killed the guy. I mean, you know, uh, we don't really even hear him stew about it very much. That's just kind of interesting. Chandra are, are seem to be a little bit different in many ways, mm-hmm. you know, from people. And when you start thinking about it, think, things in like that level, um, then, you know, with that many years, I'm sure like that changes your view of the world in many, in many, many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the, the fact that the first contract, you know, took in so many different things. Um, I want to point out the first contract again, you know, most disturbingly, the first contract contained provision, which invoked would require the mass suicide of the entire Condor people. 
what the heck? Well, I mean, no, no, but that, but that's the thing is that it's like clearly like this is taken very very seriously. Yeah, um, and it could be as simple as like you know you guys keep breaking the contract now you're gonna all have to commit suicide. Yeah, oh, great, you know. Uh, so this is well, a, look at how 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 closely they follow it to this point. How like sacred it is. And this is such an interesting point here that you know what necessarily happened what are the conjure where they would come up with a, a contract that they themselves wrote that included a thing that was like yo by the way anytime you want us to do it we'll just off ourselves yeah and, and again you're right like they take it extremely seriously and you know ten soon has done the insane thing which was not just betray that but also tell them oh yeah all these secrets about how to control us and everything she knows that but he made some really really good points like for example they were like, well, why didn't you tell Zane to go kill Osiris himself instead of you killing him? He's like, you really want me to tell this guy how to kill a Chandra? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. people don't know how to kill us. They, Some of them think we're basically immortal and we can't be killed. And you wanted me to tell this guy how to kill a Chandra? I mean, again, like in hindsight, it's like, yeah, that's obvious. Why would you even suggest such a stupid thing? But again, it's this is just a hit piece. They're not expecting Tensoon to be able to back this up. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing, you know, we get is like how, you know, he moved the well of Ascension, um, and, you know, basically remade the world to where people couldn't find out where things were. So it's funny because says it, it's ironically says it in, in well of Ascension had tried to trick Ven by sending her up North, you know, and everyone kept thinking, oh, it's up North. It's in Terrace, you know, the well of Ascension, because that's where actually it would be a reasonable guess for every, for it to be. Um, only to find out that Terrace is, you know, the friends we made along the way. Yeah. <laughs> Terrace is the, the territory we have already conquered. Yes, it is right there in front of your face. Funny enough, the Terrace refugees have now fled back to their homeland. <laughs> do, you, do, do you know um, how many things could have been solved if people would just realize that it's right in front of their face? Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> if you'll get that reference later. Um, um but uh, I think it's it's a interesting point that we talk about again. Um, what power we're dealing with? It's the power that was used to form the world. Yeah, the fun fundamental that power. Yeah, the fundamental power or whatever mm-hmm. that that helped form the world. This is something that Vin was holding on to. Um, it, and. We find out that that was just like a part of whatever that they whatever we're dealing with. Um, and Vin again is dealing with the stuff in her head. She's saying, you know, Reen is saying hope is for the foolish. Um, but uh, the thing that's really driving her is that they have to get the ATM. Like she's like mm-hmm. got it in her gut. Like getting the ATM is going to be like the key to everything. Um, one thing that I think gets brushed over, which I didn't even think about this. So they're talking about how to survive. And they're saying, you know, the front, the crops are going to be eliminated because the mists are closing in and some places are not going away completely. And we learned before, like the deepness is likely the mists. And it was just suffocating everything, essentially. Ham makes an interesting point. And I find it funny that they kind of dismiss his mushroom idea. He's like, yeah, there are plants that can grow without sunlight. Mushrooms They're like you can't feed a whole a whole city, you know, a whole, you know, civilization on mushrooms. I'm like, well, can you not? But even then, Ham makes a really, really good pivot. He goes, well, we can grow other plants. And they're like, yeah, but you can't eat them. He's like, but animals might. I didn't even think of that. That's true. 
I mean, you could just feed animals, you know, these unedible plants, and then you can eat the animals. Um, I, I just thought that was that was just kind of my little kind of nerding out nerding out thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that they point out uh, during this whole planning thing is the mil- the army is not inoculated to the mist. Yeah, so I, I was going to say, I didn't actually put that in my notes, but I was like looking, and I was like, I think this is actually where they talked about it, which you're right, they did. They mentioned that uh, it's uh, the mist barrier. You know, it says it brings that up. It's like, are you willing to accept 15% losses to your army just by marching them into the mist at this point before you even get to Fadric? Right. And so, like, it's funny because I think we find, we know that, like, the mists don't go in, they don't even go into tents. So, like, you can be protected by, you know, hardly anything. So it makes sense that the army would have been protected from it for a long period of time. And they probably didn't want to deal with, you know, having to subject them to that. But it leaves them vulnerable uh, if they were to ever try. And it, and it's like they were talking about it. It's like Ellen was explaining in the beginning. His uh, his scribes are tracking the mist, and he literally had a map where he had several circles on it. And he goes, this is a section where the mist never leave. This is a section where we get one or two hours of non-mist hours, essentially. This is a section where it's three or four hours. And they are going into a, a portion where it's like, it's not there 100%, but they call it the mist barrier, where it's there for more than half the day essentially and they're like well you basically are limiting your army's movement by more than half and you're like well if their army you know if if fadrick city's army is already out in the mist because they're already in the mist barrier they can even leave a siege and attack you while all your people are hiding in the mist hiding from the mist right and you know meanwhile while they're trying to go into fadrick's you know they have all these issues in the city of orto Mm-hmm. And in the next chapters, we're going to find out what exactly those problems are. Hey, everyone. Vod here. Please rate our podcast and follow us for regular episodes Monday through Friday. If you enjoy listening, consider subscribing. We are a very small project, so please support us with likes and comments. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ontos. That's patreon.com slash O-N-T-O-S. Thanks again. And remember, our sentience depends on you.